0: give it to you straight about Bigfoot, some kind of demented creature, always on the hunt for intruders, looking to kill, to devour, thirsty for blood.
1: That's a scene from a trailer for a recent movie about Bigfoot, the mythical hairy behemoth who, according to some, lurks deep in the forests of North America, perennially hunted by believers never actually found. The passionate belief in the existence of the elusive Bigfoot has been a staple of American culture for years. But a Republican congressman from Virginia, who has himself gone on Bigfoot hunts, has recently noted a striking parallel between Bigfoot believers and the followers of Donald Trump, a parallel that has only gotten more noticeable in the aftermath of the 2020 election amid the president's baseless claims of election fraud. Both the Bigfoot crowd and the Trump crowd are firm and unshakable in their convictions. Both are seemingly unmoved by contrary evidence, which they dismiss as concocted by powerful establishment forces. We'll talk to that congressman, Denver Riggleman, about the lines that connect Bigfoot with Trump world on this episode of Skullduggery. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News.
0: And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News.
1: You know, I got to say, Riggleman is both a breath of fresh air in the debates over conspiracy theories, but he's also got this fascinating backstory. He's a former Air Force intelligence officer, an NSA contractor. He gets elected in this rural Virginia district, pretty conservative leaning, as a supporter of the party. He was going to join the House Freedom Caucus, he declared when he was running for office. And then he gets in hot water politically because he presides over a same-sex wedding of two of his campaign ads. Uh, the uh, evangelical conservatives in his district come after him, and they oust him from as the party's nominee. He becomes disaffected, and he starts becoming quite alarmed by the QAnon. The growth of QAnon in his district becomes outspoken on it. and. And more and more, he's become sort of this lonely voice in the Republican Party that has been trying to sound the alarm bells about what the conspiracy movement and QAnon has been doing to his party.
0: Yeah, well, lonely is the right word. And his political trajectory, which is two years in the House of Representatives, one term before he's, you know, hounded out of his party, basically, you know, shows you how sort of Sisyphean this struggle is to push back against what's going on in the Republican Party with all of these conspiracy theories, because all of the incentives are actually to support the crazy conspiracy conspiracy theorists, because they have become so pervasive in, in, in the party. I mean, you look at polling, and it shows that a huge percentage of Trump voters believe in the QAnon conspiracy theory. And so you see, increasingly, with people who hold high positions in the government and in the Trump administration, that they espouse these views. Maybe they really do, or maybe they do because it's how they get more followers. And just one last point on this, I think it was Riggleman seeing Mike Flynn, General Flynn posting on Twitter himself and a bunch of other people taking the QAnon oath, where we go one, we go all, that really kind of opened his eyes to the danger of all of this.
1: Uh, yeah, uh the uh, and of course Flynn has uh since in recent days, since his pardon from the president over the uh, his lying to the FBI charges to which he had pled guilty, has become more and more a figure promoting the idea of election fraud and that the election was stolen and uh, the president needs to take strong action to stop it, use his executive powers to uh, overturn this election. It's no question it's a uh, disturbing phenomenon phenomenon. But to go back to Bigfoot, the parallels are pretty interesting. By the way, have you ever been on a uh, Bigfoot hunt?
0: If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Yeah.
1: Well, (laughs) you or you'd have uh, a Bigfoot uh, uh, Confederate uh, do the uh, dirty work for you. Well, I have. I did with uh, uh, our son uh, at a uh, younger age. And um, it, it, you know, it's, look, it's not... it's, it's all nonsense, of course. It's great fun. And so in some senses, you can sort of dismiss it as just a sort of frolic of people. Uh, Riggleman is interesting because, you know, he kind of indulged it a bit. He even wrote a book about Bigfoot that he has since said was satire and joking but obviously, it's one thing to frolic over Bigfoot and indulge this sort of crazy belief in the hairy behemoths in the woods, but it becomes much more serious when we're talking about political conspiracies and a belief in them that essentially undermines our democracy, and that's where we are
0: today with the uh, election fraud claims. Yeah, and of course, the big question is, what do you do about it, right? Yes. I mean, You know, there obviously are First Amendment concerns, you know, if you go after the social media platforms where all of this proliferates. So it is just a really, really difficult problem. One small example of, I think, something that I just noticed uh, on Twitter that people are beginning to do, you talked about the election fraud claims that are being brought by Trump's lawyers, um, Giuliani and Sidney Powell, who are peddling all of these conspiracy theories related to the election. Well, there are a bunch of lawyers out there now who are who started this petition to get Trump's legal team, Giuliani, Sidney Powell and others to be investigated and, you know, by bar associations and and sanctioned or perhaps even disbarred. So the issue is there needs to be accountability Uh, for this kind of behavior. People can't just do it with impunity. And if you're tying up literally dozens of courthouses around the country with completely bogus, frivolous lawsuits, there ought to be consequences for that.
1: Well, all excellent subjects to talk about with our guest, Denver Riggleman. So let's get to it. Okay, we are now joined by U.S. Congressman from Virginia, Denver Riggleman. Congressman Riggleman is a Republican who is leaving Congress in January. We'll get into the circumstances of why. But he has gotten some attention of late for comparing the devotees of Bigfoot to those folks who believe in what Donald Trump is saying about a stolen election. So, Congressman, first of all, welcome to Skullduggery.
2: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. It's an honor, and uh, I can't wait to talk about that comparison.
1: Okay. Well, we <laughs> want to delve into that, but I got to start out by asking, yeah, um, because you— have gone on Bigfoot hunting expeditions, several of them. Uh, You've written a book about Bigfoot. You wear or have worn Bigfoot socks. Um, You've been accused of being a devotee of Bigfoot erotica. So uh, I guess my first
2: question is,
1: do you now or have you ever believed in Bigfoot?
2: No, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but... I will, I will say this, you know, I was an intelligence officer and I, I, t- I said this in the book. I said, there's a difference between the possible and the probable, you know, Bigfoot is possible. It's just not probable. And that's when I go into sort of the percentages and what we do in the Intel business and analysis. So I don't believe in Bigfoot, but my grandfather, uh, in the, in the first chapter of the book, he does believe in something he called the mighty peculiar, so, um, you know, when I was ten years one old, one could
1: say uh, the Trump presidency might fit into maybe. That yeah, well, my grandfather. Yes. But I, so I don't maybe. know.
2: That might be the two words. That might be the new two words, right? The trend, right? But um, no, but it, it really was something for me to be able to um, use my sort of my chops from uh, Air Force intelligence and NSA stuff that I did uh, special projects and try to use that sort of analysis training and that intel training for twenty years to to check out this this uh, sort of phenomenon of Bigfoot and those.
0: You were beginning to say, I think, uh, th- that your foray into the this legend of Bigfoot began when you were 10 years old in the yeah. woods in West
2: Virginia. Is that right? That's correct. On the edge of the Monongahela National Forest. And uh, I think that's what that subconscious tickling of Bigfoot. We're not going to talk about Bigfoot erotica, but that subconscious tickling <laughs> of Bigfoot. Right. I think is why I pranked my wife in 2004 when I told her I was taking her to, to Hawaii for our 15 year anniversary and I took her on a Bigfoot hunt. And um, that was not a good deal. I shouldn't have done that, but that is probably why and then it you know it's just it's just amazing how this has come full circle now that my very book about conspiracy theories that was made fun of that, that people didn't know about when they accused me of bigfoot erotica is now completely sort of applicable to what's happening today i don't i don't i don't believe in fate and stuff like that but i guess it's better to be lucky than good and but yeah for bigfoot and qanon to be happening right now is uh, pretty amazing
1: Yeah. And we should point out that you were a co-sponsor of a um, House resolution condemning QAnon conspiracy theories. And your co-sponsor actually was Tom Malinowski, who was a two-time guest on Skullduggery. We had him on talking about uh, the QAnon-inspired ads that uh, the Republican Party was running against him in New Jersey. That's right. Um, Pretty disturbing stuff.
2: He called me about that and, and actually you know i got to give props to tom um he knew what i was doing with QAnon. he had seen it i guess i guess once you call QAnon, the mental gonorrhea of conspiracy theories i don't think i'm holding back too much at that point and uh yeah. tom saw that and he saw the tweet where i said QAnon had the same number of letters as moron and at that point you know tom called me and said denver i don't think there's anybody who would do this with me would you and he told me the stories i said absolutely and we got to hand it to tom malinowski i mean he got death threats on that i got a few you know, but I'm not really worried about basement sitting, you know, dwellers. Right? Uh, I just, I, I'm not. There
0: you go. Congressman, so you uh, having spent all of this time kind of delving into the Bigfoot phenomenon, you kind of probe the psychology of people who follow Did you just uh, say probe? Uh, <laughs> all right. We we right, we are gonna get to the Bigfoot erotic <laughs> part of the conversation soon, I promise. We already have tickling wow. and probing. I, I, this, this is c- crazy. I, I don't know what's going on. I love it. I hey. love it. <laughs> uh, but but so you, you did kind of look at the psychology of people who get into this big Bigfoot uh, stuff. And you draw a connection between that and people who go down these conspiracy theory rabbit holes. So explain that.
2: Yeah. uh, There was a guy named Frank in my book, and that's not his real name. And um, I will tell you when I first noticed it it was the first night I got into an argument when somebody said, I said, why don't you just bait Bigfoot with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And they said, well, he has a gluten allergy. And that that, that had a lot of questions for me, right? Uh, How do you know that Bigfoot has a gluten allergy? And You know, and, and they said, well, obviously apes have a gluten allergy, so Bigfoot would. And I said, so he's an ape. And then a guy next to me, he says, no, Bigfoot's a guy or a, I guess a descendant of Homo erectus. Or, and I said, so he's sort of a man missing link. And he go, they said, yeah, I mean, that's the argument, isn't it, Denver? I said, what's the argument? I don't understand about the gluten allergy man link. They said, well, it's genital size, right? It, you know, simians have the smallest genital size. Bigfoot's proportionate. And I'm like, OK, my mind was blown. That same guy later on the next night said that, he goes, I heard you work at the National Security Agency. I said, I do. He said, well, you're here making lists. And I said, what am I making lists of? He goes, of us. And he goes, I know we've been targeted. I know my bank accounts have been messed with because I believe in Bigfoot. I think it was at that point that I thought it was it was interesting to see what Big, Bigfoot belief systems were. And I don't know if you guys saw my history. You know, I was on the Romanian-Serbian border during Operation Allied Force, and you know, and, and my degree at University of Virginia was a former Yugoslavia in Eastern Europe. So I got to look at, you know, how religious or belief systems can cause amazing amounts of violence and the dehumanization of others. And, 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 I, and I'm not saying that, I'm, that Bigfoot believers are weaponized. I'm not saying that. But what I saw was that, that these belief systems had consumed their lives. And uh, when I got home in 2004, the first trip, I said, "Hana, I never thought I'd say this. I don't think Bigfoot's the story. Uh, I think it's how these belief systems have metastasized. In these four different types of belief systems and they don't like each other either so you also have this sort of this this um sort of this this tension between bigfoot believers too if they believe he's an ape they believe he's a human they believe he's an interstellar traveler they believe he's a mystical interdimensional jumper that's protecting us from the dracos uh you know the 12 strand protecting DNA us beings, from who
1: i'm sorry the
2: Dracos. i mean the, the d r a c o s um mm-hmm. there's a huge group that believe that uh, bigfoot is protecting us in the 260 million plus war against the 12 strand dna beings in the in the harmonic universes you know and then you have the the native american theory right and all these theories conflict or blend however they see fit or whatever makes them happy and it's almost a cult or a religious belief system and uh no matter what I used guys, no matter what I used as logic, it was turned back on me that I would be lying to them based on the fact that I was an intelligence officer. There's no, I couldn't, there was no basis I could get to them where we had a common understanding of what facts were and what truth was, very difficult. And, you know, by the way, I had a lot of fun, right? I ran through the woods with a bacon necklace. So I, you know, I've lived, right? But, you know, it's it's really, it's really how do you, and I did that because I wanted to see it, and they're like, Denver, great idea. I mean, gosh, nobody thought about wearing bacon. <laughs> but that's what's happened. And uh, that's, that's what I went through and I wrote this book over 14 years.
1: So, I, I mean, I just wanna sort of <laughs> drill down.
2: Drill you down. Met, you, I'm ready. There you go. You, you, you made uh, the mean, distinction. What, what are we doing here? We got drill down. We yeah, yeah, got yeah, tickling. We right. got probing. I mean, guys, I, you
1: made listen, the I, I don't get
2: uncomfortable, but I, you know, I, this is crazy. Hey,
1: you know, you've been in uh, uh, hairier situations than this. Yes, so I am. To speak. Yes, I am. Right. Hairiest. All right. I'll be you i you, like, you guys are all brilliant. Right. I'm just telling all you right <laughs> now. This is the most
2: brilliant interview of all time. I, I, I. I
1: But you made the before you made the distinction between the probable and the likely and the possible. I mean, when you went on these expeditions, did you believe that there was some unexplained phenomenon in the woods of North America that might account for Bigfoot?
2: You know, I wanted to find out. I I will tell you part of it. And that's a great question was, was my grandfather crazy? And that man taught me everything I know you know, just one of the most decent human beings I've ever met. And, you know, I'm like, is my grandfather, did he, was he nuts? You know, did he see something? So when I went out there the first time, even though it was a prank, even though my wife almost divorced me for it, I really thought maybe I can prove that something is out here using analytics, right? Using data analytics, using empirical evidence, right? Using the things that I've been taught for years and what I had to actually practice overseas, you know, whether it was 9-11, whether it was Oman when I was training them in F-16 operations, whether it was, you know, Operation Allied Force. I said, what if I use that, you know, that experience? And um, what I found out there, and you guys are going to be surprised by this. I was the only person who never saw or heard anything (laughs) out of everybody of these three to four or five expeditions. uh, I'm like, am I the only guy? I mean, everybody saw red eyes. They saw eye shine. They had infrasound attacks. They were hit with terror attacks, mental terror attacks. They had rocks thrown at them, right? They heard hoots and hollers and whistles and territorial screams and wood knocks. Um, They saw sign, they saw bent, you know, they saw bent branches that showed territorial markings of Bigfoot. Guys, all I heard was like freaking squirrels and some birds screeching. And I sat out in all these expeditions. I'd come like, Denver, what did you see? I didn't see anything. Well, you, you're not in tune. Well, what do you mean I'm, I'm not in tune? Well, you don't want to see it. Oh, Jesus. How I think crazy. this
1: is think, the, you know, def- that's the issue. You know, This is the definition of confirmation bias, I yes, believe, it is. which is a phrase in the yes, intelligence it community. It is. It um, but- is. But look, look, this is getting
2: incredible. I can hear, I can see your wheels spinning now, guys. This is, but go ahead. I'm ready. ready.
1: But let's get to the the parallel you see between the believers in Bigfoot and the followers right now of Donald Trump. Um, You were quoted as saying the Bigfoot expedition leader of the one, one of them you went on and Rudy Giuliani are very similar people. They're all batshit crazy, all of them ascribed to a team mythology that might or might not be true. And they stay on that team regardless. And that's what's so dangerous about politics today. So I want to ask you, when did you first begin to see the parallel between Trump supporters and these zany folks who you were hanging out with in your Bigfoot days?
2: You know, and guys, you know, it's, it's really something when you turn the, you know, sort of turn that um, power on yourself, right? Um, how important is it to be part of a tribe? Who who wants to be willingly tribalist? And when I was with the Bigfoot believers or the expedition leader, everybody took what he said as complete gospel, regardless of the basis on which he would say things like, for instance, you know, we're very sure through evolution that Bigfoot can see an infrared. How are you sure of that? I mean, what, how are you sure that Bigfoot sees an infrared? How are you sure that tree knocks signify, signify anything except maybe an animal or a bear um, when you hear something unexplained in the woods, you're like, well, that language is Bigfoot language. Well, it could be a bear mating. I mean, I, what, what, how is that the first you know, thing that you turn to? Everything's wrapped in a little bit of truth, right? So when you talk about the EO and Rudy Giuliani, there's a little bit of truth to everything, right? Well, we hear things in the woods that are unexplained. Okay, that's great. I understand that. Well, those unexplained things are Bigfoot. So everybody around, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 they're, they're, they're Bigfoot. I'm like, um, Huh? That, how wh- why is that the initial or the default explanation? Well, that's because Denver, this is your first expedition, and we know that uh, through other expeditions that uh, Bigfoot uh, likes to actually hit rocks together at uh, three o'clock in the morning. Okay, Did you guys have video of that? Um, how do you know that? Well, we heard it. We, was it rocks you heard? Well, we think it's rocks. So, and you could see it's this, you have this sort of baseline of a little bit of truth, and then they manipulate it. Look at Rudy Giuliani, right? Look at uh, Lynn Wood, look at, uh, look at Sidney Powell, right? Look at Jenna Ellis. Um, You know, look at all this. I mean, what is, has there been instances of voter fraud in the past that are, that are small or limited or bad things have happened? Yeah, sure. Right. Um, You know, that's happened. But that has turned into systemic fraud. That has turned into NSA actually exploiting and internalizing and, and, and injecting code into, into multiple voting machines that I, I know this is gonna surprise you guys that aren't interconnected, right? Uh that's Dominion having implanted code from Venezuelans, right? That's a that's an invasion of an army base by the United States military um, that is using somebody like Ron Watkins from Aitkun, who's one of the the QAnon you know chuckleheads. You know, that's out there and using him as sort of a cyber witness that's actually creating a false narrative around a small kernel of truth and then radicalizing other people or pushing them into a belief system. You know, through through a digital virus, right, which is social media or things of that nature, and and when you see this this combination, I noticed it at the Bigfoot level, and, and I'm noticing it at the QAnon level. Well, let me
0: ask you about about scale, because to use your phrase, these belief systems have taken over, if not the whole Republican Party, a significant part of it, it's and it's a phenomenon part. on on the left as as well. But conspiracy theories have been around, you know, since the founding of the republic. You know, we. we talked the other day on this show about the anti-papists, uh, oh. you know, the the <laughs> yes. faking the moon landings, UFOs, yes. you know, what, whatever. But the difference now is, you know, QAnon is becoming mainstream, right? I mean, there are tens of millions of people who believe that there's this elite cabal of, you know, sex trafficking, blood drinking, you know, people out there. So how do you explain how this has taken off in the way it has.
2: I think, um, you know, we saw now I'm on a member of some, I'm a member of something called the Network Contagion Research Institute. Now I'm on the board and I'm an analyst and what we saw in data analytics it really took off. And you guys, it's not going to surprise you all in March, uh, February, March, when COVID was really starting to expand. Right. And it really took off. I think it was July when a uh, retired three-star general, Michael Flynn gave his oath, right. And used, you know, where we go one, where we, we go all to end his oath to the constitution. I think what we see in the difference is we're using a certain baseline trope that's been used over and over again. And that's Wait, where I'm a, sorry,
0: can I just, what was, what was sure. that line that he used at the end of his oath? Where we go one, we go all? Yep,
2: yeah, where we go one, we go all. Where w- does that G-1, come from? WGA, that is the QAnon slogan. It, it, and it was, where did Flynn- He stuff? said that when he took his oath? Yes, yeah, so he took an oath in July on video, on camera, And said that at the end of it. And I was horrified. You guys know I'm former Air Force. And I'm like, there's no reason to have an oath from a a baseline conspiracy theory that uses, you know, the same stuff that anti-Semitic blood libel, you know, used, you know, sort of cobbles together the protocols of the elders of Zion. Um, It cobbles together truthers. It cobbles together birthers, it cobbles together anything you can imagine, deep state cabal, the coup. Um, it just, it's a a—it's—it's co- it's almost like, a, I would say QAnon is a conspiracy sticky bomb, and it sort of attracts everything to it. And anybody who thinks that President Trump is under attack can sort of put it under that umbrella. I think the difference is, the difference is that people, we still don't understand how powerful social media can be. its You know, I, I, I've told people this story, and I don't know if they believe me. It was 2000, 2001 where we were starting to perfect how to track electronics. It was only 19, 20 years ago, guys. Um, and I tell people this, that social media and sort of the digital uh, paths that you try to track are virtually impossible sometimes, whether you're using trip codes, hashtags, encrypted message boards or image boards, coded language, um, memes, uh, steganography. Uh, when you're using all this, you can go every direction. And I, and I would humbly submit to all of you that digital media, social media, tools of radicalization that we have never seen before and people can believe things on a level we've never seen before because guess who else can access those social pipelines you guys know this public officials and if you're validating stupidity if you're validating insanity if you have jumped the shark crossed the rubicon i've said got on the crazy train and and crashed into the you know the cliffs of the flat earth things things have gone crazy here and and I'm, i'm a little worried and i wasn't worried you know, initially, I knew it could be a problem, but the last few weeks is the first time I felt that tickle of, of real worry about where is this, where this is going. And by the way, if you look at the list on Twitter and the number of lists that I'm on, they call me a traitor. They call me a pedophile. Uh, they call me uh, the lead for BB Yahoo's pedophile ring in the United States. They've called me a member of the Zog. It has been really interesting to see. I've gotten a picture of the gallows. I've been saying I'm on a target list. It's been interesting to me to see that happening. And again, I think it's the massive reach of social contagion. Uh, that we have to look at. And I think we, we certainly need people to look at this, and I think in a more directed way.
1: But I, I just want to come back to my question before about when you started to have no, know, I'm bombs sorry. about this trend that was developing. Look, you ran for Congress in 2016 right. as a Republican. You know, Donald Trump was the head of the ticket. Donald Trump had promoted the birther conspiracy theory about President Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of signs of mm-hmm. a lot of wild conspiracy theories being thrown out by... The guy at the head of your party's ticket, who got elected president four years ago. So when when did you start to, you know, step back and and realize there's something dangerous going on here?
2: Uh, you know, it's going to be funny. It was sort of innocuous. Um, it was late 2018, early 2019. I was in a committee meeting and uh, I was down in Southside, Virginia, and I'm not going to say the county or anything like that, but. I had somebody come up to me and, and guys, I was aware of QAnon. I mean, um, I just was, I, I, I'd heard tickles of, of odd things going on that Q. And obviously, you know, I saw the first articles about people wearing the Q pins, right. I don't know if you guys are, you know, right at the beginning that there was somebody Q at the trunk, like, that's really odd. I, you know, Q is a dark corner conspiracy stuff. Right. I, I even with my training, I can imagine that something this magical and fantastical would reach out. So I was at a committee meeting and somebody come up to me, Michael, and just said this, they're like, well, Denver, we need you to fight on the front lines for us. I'm like, I'm there for you, no problem. They said, yeah, because you know, you know, all these Democrats are pedophiles. Look at Epstein. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's actually the proof um, that there is a, a group of Democrats that are running child trafficking rings. That was the, and I, I, I have to tell you guys, I looked at him and said, I, I, I don't think that's true. And, and there was pushback immediately. Part of it too was, um, you know, the same-sex wedding I did. I was accused also of being part of that ring and. That I was trying to turn all children into homosexuals.
1: Right? You that presided over a same-sex wedding of two of your aides.
2: Two of my yes, and right. uh, and so they started to merge that the QAnon theory uh, with me trying to push alternate lifestyles, which I was very angry about, and that's why I told you know people in the district to pack a lunch that I was going to be me, and if they didn't like it, you know, do your worst, and they did, you know, by, you know, that's that's but what But
1: pre, but before that, uh, you know, the question I was getting at is. You know, Donald Trump was throwing out wild conspiracy theories, you know, throughout his campaign for the presidency and the run up to his campaign for the presidency. So So I'm just saying, you know, were you were you disturbed, you know, by that? You know, Trump in 2016, uh, Ted Cruz's father was involved in the Kennedy assassination. I mean, you, we, one could go on and on. Um,
2: you know, and when I was elected in 2018, too, you know, that was a that was a huge. 2018, you were elected. Yeah, no, I, that was, you know, sure. and, okay. you know, I was yeah in 2018. And, you know, it, it, what, what bothered me and, and, and immediately um, they, it got me sideways, you know, where, where some of the I was like, that's not true. You know, even on the floor, you're like, that's that's not true. And like, well, Denver, listen. You know, they're just in the dark corners. You know, if we don't pay attention to them, they'll go away. That, that's really what I was told over and over again. I'm like, well, I don't really know if they're in the dark corners. You know, um, if you look at Comet Pizza, I don't know if that's a dark corner thing, right? If you look at uh, uh, Giffords, if you look at Scalise, um, I said, you know, radicalization is real. I've seen it with ISIS, Al-Qaeda. I've seen this. I've done this work, guys. Like, I've done, I'm, I haven't been in politics. There's, there's something wrong here. Um, you're seeing people say things that are dehumanizing others. Well, Denver, you know. We just, that's a fringe, it's part of the base, you
1: know. Congressman, I was asking you about Trump.
2: Oh, about Trump. So I think what really started to bother me, guys, is, you know, I can handle, you know, things where it's, it, it, it sounds like it's almost a joke, right? Where, is he joking? Is it tongue in cheek? But when it really started to get to me, and I'll just be honest with you, is when he started retweeting conspiracies, uh, and I think that was probably, that was a while back, that seemed so outlandish that I'm saying, this can't be real. And I questioned the staff. I'm like, is somebody, is somebody giving this to him? Is he, I mean, this, this, this isn't real, right? And, and I, felt like I, was, I felt like I was on an island. I said, this, this can't be real. I mean, he didn't really retweet that Joe Biden had SEAL Team Six killed, did he? he did, that's not a thing, right? He didn't retweet this, he couldn't. He, he's not retweeting QAnon conspiracy theories about Epstein, you know, he, is this real? And I think that's when, Michael, I, I got to the point, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, I got to come out pretty hard. And I think that's why I came out incredibly hard about it. Um, I thought it was time. And I think that's why Malinowski's call was so well-timed, you know, when we did that.
0: What about, I mean, I'm sorry, did you, did you, were you running for reelection or did well, you? Man,
2: oh, I, I started hitting QAnon well before that. And I think that's what got me in trouble a little bit. Right. Um, but it was um, after the election um, when they started um there was just some really bad things said about the people that I married, guys. I'm, you know, And uh, there was just some really awful things that were being done. And Tom had called me after the convention when it happened. And it was for a few reasons. Number one, he goes, Denver, I'm so sorry. Um, I never see anybody lose like this. This know?
1: is a, the Republican convention in your district that basically ousted you and replaced you yeah. with Bob Good, a religious right guy who did win election in
2: yeah, he uh, oh, with 1,400 nice. votes in a, in a church parking lot, right? And, you know, it wasn't even a primary. Um, there were so many bad things going on there, but I refused. They said if I would, re- if I would you know, repent, um, if I would pray. Repent uh, what? Uh, repent for the wedding, that they would vote for me. And uh, you guys can imagine what my answer was. And so that, that's really when I saw that everything was starting to merge. You know, I was called the Antichrist, I told the Antichrist. Um, I, my wife called the Spawn of Satan which, you know, makes us the new power couple of Virginia, by the way. Um, So, you know, so we had... That's
1: why we wanted to have you on, uh, (laughs) because we haven't had the antichrist on this podcast. That's right. I I
2: figured me and President Obama must be fighting for it somewhere. Um, So, um, but, uh, you know, and that's what, that's the issue that we had is that it it was so malignant and it was so directed and dehumanizing. I'm like, you know what? I, I lost being outspoken. You know, I lost as being the first Republican, I think, sitting Republican to ever officiate a same-sex wedding. Um, I lost for standing up for some other things that, that I don't even know if people remember uh, when it comes to health care and things like that. Um, I voted against the president on those things. And, um, you know, and and I think it wasn't the quantity, it was the quality, because when I did it, it was noticeable. But and one I, reason,
0: you know, well, well, I mean, one reason that politicians and elected officials are, are embracing these conspiracy theories like QAnon is because their constituents Yes, Uh, are. And so I wonder, what's the sense that you got in campaigning in Virginia and in serving there for this last term of how pervasive these, you know, belief systems are, particularly uh, uh, QAnon? I mean, and have you seen polling that suggests that that it's widely believed? Did you poll uh, and look at that question?
2: We didn't poll QAnon. Uh, I think the surprising thing to me was how many people believed it in national polls. When you're looking at Trump supporters at 50 percent, and when you look at right now, was it 73 percent of Republicans believe the election was stolen? That's an incredibly high number, right? And that's the power of myth, right? It's a power of social media. I knew it was okay. I was surprised. I'll be honest with you. When when I started uh, talking to people down in the district, I was so blown away because it felt like, guys, I I didn't know— Again, I had the same feeling of complete exasperation. You know, well, Denver, there's a deep state coup against the president. I don't think so. I you know, I, I worked in the National Security Agency, um, I was Air Force Intelligence. I worked for the Office of Secretary of Defense in the Pentagon. There's no deep state deep state coup. I mean, first of all, you know, and then but then when it got to the, the pedophilia part, guys, it's everywhere. Oh, okay. It's so everywhere.
0: so what do you do about it? Because as you know the more you're out there saying Uh, it's not true, the more you become part of the conspiracy. And and while also at the same time amplifying the conspiracy theory. So how do you deal with this?
2: Exactly right. Um, Exactly what happened with Frank when I tried to explain the intelligence system and why I didn't believe in Bigfoot. And he said, I just confirmed that I believed in Bigfoot because I wouldn't tell him that I believed in Bigfoot. That's a difficult argument. It's It's the same question I ask myself every day. Do I go out and blunt force trauma people with facts do I try to, 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 not, to, to not pay attention to it? Do I not come out and say, hey, we shouldn't be getting sexualized death threats in Georgia, right? What, what, when, do, when does it stop? How, what, what is that line that I use? And I have had that same question. I wish I could give you the answer. I just know that somebody, for the love of God, somebody has got to say, this stuff is insane. You know, we shouldn't have three-star generals asking for martial law. You know, that's crazy with General Flynn and General McInerney. You know, it makes me ashamed to be an Air Force officer.
0: And by yeah. the way, Gen. We should. General Sorry. McInerney has been out here, out there, with this uh, conspiracy theory that special operators were killed yep. in Germany as part of a secret CIA operation to uh, seize computer servers that have ballots on them that supposedly were part of the effort to steal the election, and the military had to come out and deny it.
2: They did deny it. I, and, and, you know, and it's the same thing. You know what I heard, guys? I heard also that forest rangers after Mount St. Helens took away Bigfoot bodies because they didn't want the timber companies, you know, to stop, you know, actually doing timber because Bigfoot would be an extinct species, right? Um, it's a, right, it, it, it's, right, that that is a huge thing that's in the Bigfoot community about the Mount St. Helens eruption. And now we have, you know, retired three-star general, not only saying that, guys, but also saying that the NSA uses hammer and scorecard to infiltrate voting systems in the United States, you know, the National Security Agency. I mean, this is, this is poppycock. Guys, it's it's poppycock. Okay. It is absolutely made up.
1: But you've 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 served as a Republican congressman mm-hmm. and your party, by and large, the leaders of the Republican party in the House and the Senate have not disavowed the wild claims of President Trump and his supporters about a stolen election. As we speak, they are still silent about this while the president, uh, you know, continues to raise, you know, oodles of money for his, you know, election defense fund, which just goes to his political action committee to for, you know, for further political uh, activities after he leaves, after he'd be forced to leave office. And at the same time, you have incoming Republican members, Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia, yes. who actually endorses or some, believes in some of these QAnon crazy beliefs. I mean, I what think, has I, I think happened? A,
0: I think you also, by the way, have a gubernatorial candidate in Virginia.
2: Yes. Who, yeah. uh, who
0: yes. Uh, poses before the Q banner.
2: <laughs> and two of her supporters were the ones that went down to the Philly Convention Center to straighten things out. Right. Those were people that are attached to the gubernatorial candidate in Virginia. And I pointed that out. And boy, did I get some blowback for that. All right. So the um,
1: question I was asking is sure. about the Republican Party at this point. I mean, right. I mean, do you how do you account for the indulgence that the leaders of your party have given these crazy conspiracy theories? And by the way, do you can still consider yourself a Republican?
2: So first part of the question, I would say there's three parts to it, and then three parts underneath that. It's votes, fear, and money. I think when you look at fundraising, right, you're going to have to raise money. If you're out of the tribe, you're not going to have that direct line, right, to Republican leadership, NRCC, things like that for fundraising. Number two, fear, your fear of the base, right? It's also a fear that you will be kicked out of the tribe there also. And I think that fear comes along with, well, if I ignore it, it'll go away which is never true, right? Um, The other thing is votes. I mean, what if you're in a district where, I don't know, 20 to 30% of the base believes in QAnon? That's a lot of votes. And what if you have somebody who wants to primary you or convention you who believes in QAnon, and they come out and they want to do it, right? And that's the issue that we have, is that they're actually fearful of losing. And they have put their career in such a place that's more important than come out with facts right now. They honestly believe, I think, that it will go away. There's three things when you talk about belief, right? Here's the th- here's the three things I wanna tell you guys. Either they're ignorant of it, right? That's the first thing. If you look at the subset of the courses of action here, either they're ignorant of it, they're pandering to it for votes, right? Or to get you know, some kind of favor with the Republican party Or three, they believe it. And I would humbly submit that all of those that I just mentioned, the first three and the second three, I say they disqualify you from being a public official. As far as being a Republican, guys, right now, I feel like I'm willingly tribeless. It is, a, it is a bizarre feeling, but I've decided with that as an American and being happy that I need to be tribeless. I felt that when I was with the Bigfoot folks, right? I was sort of the fish out of water, the NSA guy, right? Um, but I feel that now. But I did it to myself. It's my fault. I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I just can't. You just can't be silent. And I think that's a disservice to the people you serve um, if you can't just spout facts and truth. And if that gets me unelected, so be it. I'm allowed to do this. I've served my country. I'm 50 years old. And I think that's the thing is that I, I know that was a lot. But right now, I would say it's very hard for me to be a member of this GOP. It's very difficult. I, so so I you are
0: renouncing your membership
2: in the Republican Party? I would say that um, I don't want to say that yet, and I want to tell you why. I think um, I'm renouncing that wing of the Republican Party, and I think they left me. And I'm wondering— and people have asked me this, Denver, are you an independent or what are you now? What are you? And I would say that I am either an independent or I'm the Republican of Teddy Roosevelt, right? And um, Abraham Lincoln, that, that's, that's it. And, and, and can I redefine it? And when I ran, I tried to run as a new Republican. It worked the first time because I was so independent minded. The second time they, they had to beat me. They had no choice because I was changing things so quickly. Um, it's gonna get to a point here. If I don't see some kind of change When it comes to what we are as a Republican Party, if it's always about conspiracy theories or it's not about policy and ideas, I'm telling you guys, and and I'm going to be true to my word, I will leave the Republican Party. I don't even know. I think I would just be unaffiliated. And to willingly leave a tribe, I think is a tough thing to do for a lot of people, but it's okay.
0: Let me just ask this because, I mean, we know that conspiracy theories infect the left and the right, but lately it has been much more present in the Republican Party and on the right. Do you have a theory as to why that is?
2: You know, I do. Um, I think it's, uh, I won't be brutal about it, but I do think people that feel that they've been left out of society, I'm going to try to do this um, very gently, have been left out of society, uh, feel like they're powerless, maybe feel like that they have a direct line to some type of information that maybe we don't, right? Maybe they have, right? They have a direct line. Q is an intermediary to the prophet, right? What if it does, and and I don't like to use this word guys, and you'll know why as soon as I say it, is it a cult? Um, You know, have we, you know, have we evangelized um, something that's completely false and You know, that's the thing that I worry about. Um, I've seen it before in the past with radicalized language and how they use language. And I'm seeing some of these same patterns. And I'm wondering, you know, can we stop, you know, this sort of social contagion? And that's why I sort of want to say, listen, being a Republican is not about this. Being a Republican is about live and left live. It's about, you know, all these values that we hold dear, you know, if you want to be a Republican conservative. And and looking at uh, on the other side of the aisle, they're loyal opposition. They're not our enemies. You know, there's not, it's not supposed to be hateful. It's supposed to be a policy for battle. But I, but what I'm saying out there is I can't get through guys. I've had people very close to me, uh, especially in the last three days, just said, and, and people I've known over 30 years say, I'm done with you. Um, I've had issues in my extended family. I've had things you would not believe you. I, And I, and I don't want to tell you because it, it, it's my family or it's my friends. And I, and I would never do that. But it's been one of the worst, I would say, 96 hours for me personally, since this has begun. And, and I, think it's, I think it's sad, but I'm trying to keep my humor about it. Uh, but it's very difficult sometimes, guys, because there's a tragedy here, too.
1: So what does the future hold for you? Um, do you want to run for office again. I've seen references to you might possibly want to run for governor in Virginia next year. Um, and you know, if not that, you know, are there other ways for you to try to deal with this, you know, very sinister phenomenon you're describing?
2: Well, my future is this, um, it's, it's, it would be very difficult for me to run as a Republican right now for a number of reasons, as you guys could probably guess. It's, not, it's just not me saying, I'm you know, I'm having, it would be difficult. Um, and I did that on purpose. Um, I think, too, though, that right now what I'm trying to do is start a public trust push for companies funded privately uh, that can sort of be the arbitrators or mediators of data. Uh, that's why I joined the Network Contagion Research Institute. I think that's why I released Bigfoot. It's complicated right now. And listen, there's more curse words in that book for for a congressman than ever written before. But it's written by a military guy who never thought he'd be in politics. But I released it as is, guys, because I think you need to be honest. Um, but um, I think for me, if I were to run for again, I think there needs to be a third party movement. I think there and I'm not even saying a third party. There just to be a movement for um, facts, uh, for policy, for goodness, if I were to ever run again. But uh, to be completely blunt, it's very difficult for me to want to get in that arena again where I think I can sort of from the outside, do some incredible things. It's been the best time of my life um, and the worst job I've ever had. And uh, so it's, it's hard to explain my feelings right now. Part of me is so happy to never have to make another fundraising call again or worry about messaging to certain types of people that I don't agree with. Uh, But the other part of me is worried about the people taking my place. And those people are willing to do anything to get elected and to come full circle. That might be appealing to QAnon voters, because I think that's going to get them over the, over the, you know, over the uh, target. And I just think that's, I think it's. Can I ask
1: uh, you you mentioned about the need for facts uh, for curating data and, and combating Uh uh, a, a lot of these nonsensical conspiracy theories. What, what is your assessment of the role of the social media companies, Twitter and Facebook, how they have done? Because they've obviously gotten a lot more aggressive in taking tweets down or That's right. um, correcting them and being accused of censorship by yeah. um, some of your you know, fellow
2: Republicans or I gotta, I probably outside. have the oddest response to this that, <laughs> that nobody else might have. Um, you know, in, in intelligence there's something called IGL, right, Intel Gain Loss. And um, I would rather see the crazy than to have it suppressed because it allows people to self-identify. And I know you're like, oh, goodness, there's an intelligence officer. But people self-identify pretty quick. And I've seen it on my social media and stuff like that. The issue is, is it doesn't matter what Twitter and Facebook does, guys. Just, I, you know, and I'm trying to tell people, you know, we're talking about Section 230, we're talking about all these issues, you know, that could be for censorship Are they publishers. Interestingly, what's going to happen? What do you think? You know, uh, people pick a different path. So now you have Parler, you have Gab, you have BitChute. you have Rumble, right? Um, you have coded image boards. You have Aikun. You still have the Chans, right? You have others that are being created all the time. So the thing is, is we have so many avenues that people are gonna to go to, to spread this information. Um, it's very difficult to stop, even on Facebook. Why, okay, so you get rid of WW, you know, where we go one, where we go all as a hashtag. You get rid of digital soldier, right? Get rid of it, right? You get rid of all the hashtags of social Q down. What are they gonna do? They're just gonna change their language. They're just gonna to go to another methodology. They're gonna use coded language, right? The new one's gonna be, um, I love babies, hashtag ILB, right? Or it's gonna be the sky is red. Right. You're going to you're just going to change your hashtag and you're just going to change your language, guys. That's it. So
0: so the social media platforms, as you earlier said, are fueling the spread of this. They're fueling the spread. And the, and the social contagion, to use your word. But there's nothing you can do about I mean, you know, you can't you're saying you can't shut it down on, on these sites. So then what are you left with? What do you do?
2: The First Amendment. And you're left with people like me and you guys. I was talking to somebody in the press today. It was actually, uh, I had a phone call with national ABC after I was done with them and they're like, Hey, you know, what do we do? What are you going to do? And I'm like, well, it's truth and facts. We, we have nothing else to rely on right now. I, I have to look, rely on facts and data that I have at my fingertips. And we have to have the same sort of effort, this efforting, right. To say, this is false. Uh, that's why I was talking about public trust companies. That's why I'm talking about what do we do with algorithmic targeting Um, What do we do with that when it comes to to Twitter, Facebook, things like that? Is algorithmic targeting and marketing part of it? Because you're automatically sort of, you're containerized in your own echo chamber, right? It's a container. You automatically put yourself in a container. But what we do, honestly, gentlemen, is I think for me, that's why I think I'm more effective from the outside to go after this because I'm not stuck in a tribe. And I think the new tribes we have to we have to sort of build are those that are willingly tribalist to, to spread facts and truth. I don't.
0: But you don't know, you know it. that old uh, Mark Twain uh, line that a lie can travel around the world back and forth while the truth I is still that. lacing up yes. its boots. So yes. it's, it doesn't feel like a fair fight.
2: It's it's not. But hey, you know, sometimes when you're you're on the side of trying to do what's right, it's not fair, and that's just the way it is. And. You know, when you see people that are willing to do a grift, I think, Michael, you were talking about that, right? When they're willing to make money on these type of things, uh, it's very hard to stop monetized insanity. It's very difficult. Uh, There's too much money at stake. And that's why I called it a massive grift, a conspiratorial grift. This is a great business model. And by the way, I paid, uh, what, thousands of dollars to go on that Bigfoot expedition to look for something in the woods that probably we weren't going to find, right? So there's a lot of money to be made in myth. There's a lot of money to be made in conspiracies. And that's what we have to look at is I think it's time to follow the money. I think it's time to do what my company did with OFAC at the Department of Treasury. And like, it's time to follow the money. Where's that money going to? How's it being utilized? And I think once we once we can, I would say, bring that drag that vampire into the sunlight and we can drag them out and say, listen, here's actually what the money's being used for. I think that'll open people's eyes. Is and- it
0: just about exposing it or is it about... Um- criminalizing some of this conduct
2: you know and again when you get into first amendment issues i, I don't know where that line is i wish i did guys i i, I would tell you you know I'm, I'm opinionated i'll tell you what i think i don't know where the line is i mean do you criminalize somebody who believes that unicorns visit them at night and they're monetizing or, it you know and or,
0: or or maybe i mean you know you you mentioned isis before and yes. um you know, I think, and there are a lot of people who think that some of those radical extremist groups are akin to cults as well and mm-hmm. have been radicalized on social media.
2: That is correct. The
0: U.S. government launched um, information warfare against those kinds of groups. Uh, not that they should do that against its own citizens, but, uh, you know, I wonder if there's anything to learn from a oh, man. Now they're going to come after me. Yeah, <laughs> be, uh, yeah, this. <laughs> yeah they, they,
2: the thing is, when you talk about radicalization, man— That's the thing. Once they start to say there should be violence involved, or we figured out their coded language, um, I think that's when we say, okay, now they're trying to. I would say, what's the best word I can use? You know, coordinate violence, right? Now you're looking at cells, right? That's tough, you know, because I think there's people out there that can be, you know, sort of pulled away from this ridiculousness, and and I want to try to do that first, guys. I'm going to try, and I'll do my best. And um, I hope, um, you know, writing books like this, I try to do it with humor. I hope they see that, you know. Once a conspiracy theory becomes weaponized, it, um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say it becomes a cult, but if it does become weaponized, it can become cult like behavior. And I think that's when we need to be a little bit fearful of what's happening on uh, social media.
1: Well, uh, excellent points. And uh, we really appreciate you um, coming on to share. I have to say, looking at all this from uh, uh, the perspective of a uh, Bigfoot believer, no, I'm not. But I'm trying to, you know, I try to empathize and get no, 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 inside okay. people's Listen, heads. I don't want to
2: alienate any Bigfoot voters, and, and, and I don't want to alienate right. the majority. Okay, I'm good. I'm. <laughs> you know, it's possible, just not probable to me. That's all. It's possible. It's possible.
1: I, I, I was going to say, if I was one of those uh, folks on the Bigfoot expedition you were on, believed in it, and then discovered a uh, former Intel guy was on it, I'd assume <laughs> you were just collecting info on <laughs> on me and my colleagues uh, to try to, um, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, you know maybe dime us this? out to Bigfoot. Michael, right?
2: you, you guess what? You're right. But, Think about this. Yeah. I'm so Saying that there's conspiracies, and I'm an NSA guy who is Air Force intelligence that wrote a book about conspiracies about the very people that I told them that really wasn't here to make a list. (laughs) Oh, what great cover.
1: What great cover for an NSA
2: op. I told people being a whiskey distiller and 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 the Bigfoot book is my cover for being an op, right? right. I've blown
1: your cover here on Skullduggery, which you have, you blown
2: it, man. man. Um,
1: But we do thank you for joining us, and we will definitely want to stay in touch. Guys,
2: oh, I, I'm do you still have yeah. that whis- whiskey distillery? I, st- I sure do. We have one in all Virginia right. and Pennsylvania.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, as soon as we can travel again, I think that's a good way to stay in touch. as a coffee. Maybe okay. we should do a podcast from down we'll do there. What's funny live. is our distillery, our distillery is
2: called Silverback. So just to let you know, it all connects, guys. It all connects. I just it's want to make, it, you know. Yeah. So the, o- the octopus. All of it. <laughs> the Kraken, man. All, right. right. all right. The Kraken. The Kraken. The only thing they're exactly. cracking into is people's wallets. But anyway, you guys. You good line. About- I
0: love that one. All, all right. right. Guys, right. thank right. you right. So, much. so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye okay. up.